Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part three of his series, Tools of Prayer for America. Amen. This morning, Tools of Prayer for America. And today we'll be talking about the prayer of agreement. Last week, we wrapped up our look at the prayer of binding and loosening as we started looking at the tools of prayer that the Lord gave me. He tasked me to issue to the church so they'd be able to pray more powerfully and more effectively for America. If you remember, I was given a mandate by the Lord in a dream that I had back in July of 2018 to call the Christians of America to pray for our nation, but also to issue tools of prayer for Americans to use to pray, again I say, more powerfully and more effectively for America. And if you want to hear the details of that dream and all that the Lord showed me through that dream, I highly encourage that you take advantage of our podcast on your smartphone or go find it at GoFaithLife.com and the podcast tab on your computer. Amen. Well, I recently felt led of the Lord to reissue that call to prayer that I received in July of 2018 and to reissue the tools of prayer that we need because in case you haven't noticed, America desperately needs our prayers. And we best wake up to the isms I mentioned in prayer earlier and I mentioned last week that are determined to break down and reshape our nation into something ugly and ungodly so that we would not fulfill the divine destiny that God has laid upon this nation. Using racial tensions and the coronavirus as a cover, communism, Marxism, socialism, atheism, humanism, anarchism, hedonism, and outright Satanism have teamed up to try and topple us as a nation. Well, I'm not going to let that happen on my watch. I refuse to let America slip into darkness. I refuse. And I ask you to join me in that resolve. And we need to use every tool which the Lord has made available to us to pray more powerfully and more effectively for America. That's now three times that I've said that. So, Repetition for emphasis, amen? In order to push back the darkness that threatens to overtake us, we need to pray that righteousness, justice, truth, life, and liberty not just prevail in America, but that they would reign in America. In every sphere of influence, in every city, in every state, in every election, whether local, state, or national, This is especially true of the upcoming elections this November. I said this last week. I'm probably going to say this every Sunday till Election Day. If you're a Christian, your first obligation is to vote for righteousness, to vote the Bible, to vote for truth and justice, to reign in America. Again, I say it's not about Republican or Democrat. It's not about liberal or conservative. It's about... Are we going to have a nation based on righteousness or not? So make sure that you pray for America. And when it comes time to vote 
You follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You need to vote for righteousness. Vote for truth. Vote for justice. Vote for life. Vote for liberty in America. And not man's idea of those concepts. But God's idea of righteousness, truth, and justice. You need to vote according to the prayer of Jesus. Lord, your will be done on earth and in America as it is in heaven. Amen. So we're going to talk again about the tools of prayer for America. I'm going to list them out for you as we've been doing every week. These are the tools that the Lord highlighted to me after I had that divine dream, July 6, 2018. Here's the tools that he laid out for me to preach and to deliver to the church. Number one, binding and loosen. You can find that in Matthew 16, 19. Number two, prayer of agreement, which we're going to cover today. You can find that in Matthew 18, 19. Number three, the name of Jesus, Acts 16, 18. Number four, the blood of Jesus, Hebrews 10, 19. Number five, fasting and prayer, Matthew 17, 21. And then number six, spirit-led prayer, Ephesians 6, 18. Now remember, you can use these tools to pray for yourselves, for your families, for your loved ones, for your fellow saints. But our major focus in this series is going to be how we can use them to pray more powerfully and more effectively for America. That's now five times, amen, that I've said that. I think there's another time coming. So let's talk about the prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement is an extremely valuable tool because there is tremendous power in agreement. I want to warn you ahead of time. I found some opportunities in this week's message to weave in some rockets and some science and some statistics. So bear with me when we get to that. I promise I'll lead you every step of the way so it'll mean something to you that's simple and you can apply in your prayer life. Amen? Glory to God. But before we talk about the prayer of agreement, I want to begin by saying this. Never underestimate the power inherent in the prayers of just one believer. So I want to begin to build a logical case for the power of the prayer of agreement. But I want to begin with the power of the prayer of a single person. James chapter 5, 16 and 17. I'm going to be reading it in the New King James Version. James chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. We're going to begin reading verse 16 near the end of that verse. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. That's pretty impressive. Let's read it in the Amplified Classic Version. The earnest, 
heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have, with feelings, affections, and a constitution like ours. And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. Amen. Don't underestimate the power of the fervent prayer prayed by just one man or by just one woman or even by one child. Listen, Elijah was a human being just like us. He had faults. He had fears. He had insecurities. And yet he overcame all of that and he mustered up the faith to say that it would not rain for three and a half years and it did not rain for three and a half years. Amen. Okay, I want to read the last portion of James 5.16 one more time in the New King James Version because there's things in there I want you to see. James chapter 5, verse 16, latter part of the verse, New King James Version. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, I want you to see something here. The term translated here as effective, fervent actually comes from the Greek word energia. Energia. And energia means to work or to put forth power. Now, that may not sound impressive at first, but I want you to consider for a moment the kind of power that the Greek word energia was intended to describe. And to do that, I'm going to use a rocket. The Soviet Union built a powerful heavy lift rocket in the 1980s, which they named Energia, after the same Greek word. They used the Energia to fly the Buran spacecraft, which was their version of the space shuttle, into orbit in November of 1988. And they had plans to use it for a future manned mission to the moon. That rocket could produce 6,500,000 foot-pounds of thrust, which could launch a 44,000 payload into orbit or launch a 71,000-pound payload toward the moon. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of rocket, explosive, outer space, exploring power. Amen. In that term, energia. All right, if that kind of impressive power is implied by the Greek word energia, maybe there's a place in the Bible we can find where that word is used in the context of putting out power. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. I'm going to be reading it in the English Standard Version. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. A little bit of background on this passage. This is a passage which many call the prayers of Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and also Ephesians chapter 3. Because Paul is praying for the Ephesian believers that the eyes of their understanding would be opened to understand 
not what they could get from Christ, but what he already bought for them in his death, burial, resurrection and ascension. He wanted them to know what already belonged to them. So starting at verse 18, he's praying, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, I want you to see that that word there in verse 20, that he worked in Christ is the word energia. Energia. So you put all of these concepts together. Think about the rocket. Think about the thrust. Think about the power. And then add this to it. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man is working or leveraging or putting forth the immeasurable and unlimited power in us that God used when He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now that's some energia for you. And that's available in the prayers of just one man or one woman or even one child. Okay, let's consider the logical extension then of the effective fervent prayer of two or more individuals. Two or more individuals. Let me begin with a little bit of lighthearted book of Amos for you. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Talking about agreement now. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Let's read it in a New Living translation. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Here it is in the message. Do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? I'll tell you the picture that's formed in my mind when I read this verse. Two people holding hands but facing opposite direction. And then they proceed to go in opposite direction. And don't you know, their agreement will not last very long because it'll only take a few seconds for their hands to be released from one another. Summing up the concept here, we could ask the question, can two walk together if they haven't agreed on the direction or the objective of their walk. In the same sense, we could ask the question about prayer. Hear me out now. Can two people pray together if they haven't agreed on the direction or the objective of their prayer? Well, the obvious answer is no. But if you consider the opposite alternative, and you find someone you can trust. Someone that can agree on the purpose, direction, and objective of your prayer. There is tremendous power available in the prayer of agreement. Amen. I believe that the power of agreement is exponential in nature. And I want to look at an Old Testament verse that kind of brings that out. It may not seem at first that this is about agreement, but I think you'll see that it is. Deuteronomy 32.30 30 
New King James Version. Deuteronomy 32.30, New King James Version. Most people quote this out of context. And they say the Bible says one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight. But you got to consider the context. Let me read it to you. Verse 30. How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? Now, this was a warning contained in one of Moses' last messages to the people of Israel before he went to climb Mount Nebo and die at the age of 120. This is a side note, but that's pretty impressive. You're 120, and the Bible says his eyesight was not dimmed, nor was his natural strength abated at the age of 120. And so his final assignment given to him by God before he died is go climb a 2,330-foot mountain. If Moses can embrace that kind of fitness at his age, then I can say the same over me at my age. Amen. Hallelujah. Little side note, little rabbit path, but sometimes when you go down rabbit paths, you catch juicy rabbits. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As I said, this was a warning where Moses stressed the importance of clinging to the word of God as they crossed the Jordan River about to go into the promised land. And he reminded them if they didn't cling to the word and if they turned and worshiped the gods of the countries that they invaded, that the Lord would turn against them. Such that one of the enemy could put a thousand of them to flight. Or two of the enemy could put ten thousand of them to flight. You see, it was, it was going to work in opposite direction if they didn't follow God, if they served idols. How much more then shall the Lord be with you if you continue to cling to the word of God? Amen? So if we cling to the word and follow after God we can expect for the Lord to help us have victory over overwhelming odds. Isn't that the picture that's being painted here? Can you conceive of being one man and taking on a thousand enemy soldiers? Or two and taking on ten thousand? He's already letting us know that we're headed into the territory that says you can overcome impossible odds. How much more impossible than then one can put a thousand and two can put ten thousand. I'm going to show you how much more impossible and how ridiculously wonderful we can get with this. I took the liberty of using Excel software and tapping into my math and science background. And I plotted an exponential curve that you get when you extrapolate the math that you find in Deuteronomy 32.30, i.e. one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight. This is the curve. I see a lot of crossed eyes out there. <laughs> Do not worry, there will not be a test afterwards. I know, it's the best I could do. Listen, I'm going to break this down and make it understandable for you. If you extrapolate out, and I went from one and two persons, I took it all the way out to 20 people. 20 people. So this is what you find. And I've got a small one up here, so y'all pray for my vision. I think I'll put my readers on just so I can read this thing. All right, we started with one, 
that could overcome a thousand to one odds. This is if God is with you, if you're clinging to the word. Two can put 10,000 to flight. Three can overcome 100,000. Four can overcome one million. Five can overcome 10 million. Six can overcome 100 million. Seven can overcome one billion. Eight can overcome 10 billion. There's not even that many people on the planet that could even form an army of 10 billion to come against you. Yet the Bible says you could overcome them if it was possible for such an army to exist. Isn't that awesome? A few more just to blow your mind a little bit more. Nine people could overcome 100 billion. Ten people could overcome one trillion. All right, let's take it out to 20. I'm fixing to blow your mind. 20 people could overcome 1 times 10 to the 22nd or 10 sextillion enemy. I know you don't even know what that number is. I'm going to tell you what that number is. That number is the number of visible stars in the known universe, in the visible universe. Okay? And I picked it on purpose because that's a number that's very special to me. You get 10 to the 22nd by multiplying 100 billion times 100 billion. Okay? Let me give you a little background and explain this to you. All right? The observable universe is a bubble with a radius of 14 billion light years. In other words, everywhere you look from Earth as the center, out 14 billion light years. That's all we can see because that's all we've had time for the light of the distant stars to reach us. And we have the technology today to count those stars. And they believe it is a low estimate. So they reckon they found 100 billion galaxies in this bubble. And in each of those 100 billion galaxies, there was an average of 100 billion stars. So 100 billion times 100 billion is 10 sextillion, or 1 times 10 to the 22nd. It is equivalent to the number of stars in the visible universe. So what I call that is astronomical odds. So the Bible says we can even overcome astronomical odds if they come against us in the name of Jesus. Now, does God intend for us to take this math literally or not? I say it doesn't matter because at the very least, this conjures up the picture of impossible odds. And God is saying, you can overcome them. You can overcome impossible astronomical odds. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, that brings us to New Testament power of agreement. Amen? Matthew 18, verse 18 through 20. I'll be reading in the New King James Version. Matthew 18, verse 18 through 20. This is Jesus speaking. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, Matthew 16, 19 says the very same thing, and we studied that over the last two weeks. 
Verse 19 says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I'm going to read that again because I'm fixing to blow your mind some more. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Notice that verse 20 says that where two or three are gathered in his name, there I am in the midst of them. Well, it just happens that the word translated as I am there is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word, which means the self-existent one. It's the same name that God told Moses to tell the Israelites, if they ask you who sent you, tell them I am sent you. Same word. Exact same word. So with that in mind, you can also find that same Greek word in John chapter 18, verse 5 and 6. When the temple guard came to get Jesus, when he was surrounded by his disciples, and they said, which one of you is Jesus? And Jesus stepped forward and he said, I am. And the Bible says they all fell backward on the ground. There was power in declaring that he was almighty God. And he was saying, in effect, you are not taking me by force. I'm letting you know by power that you are only taking me because I'm going to allow you to take me because I got to pay the sacrifice for the redemption of all mankind. You are not taking me. Another place, it says Jesus had 12 legions of angels at his disposal if he wanted to call on them. Now, a Roman legion at full strength was 6,000 men. So that means Jesus has 72,000 personal angels assigned to him alone. He could have called on them and stopped the crucifixion dead in its place. But he didn't because he loved the world so much that he gave himself a ransom for our sin. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So this is what Jesus was saying there. Amen. Basically, so this verse quite literally means that when two or three are gathered together to pray in his name, the great I am is in their midst and he's standing in agreement with them. Amen. Let me submit to you that it doesn't matter what the odds are. If the great I am is standing in the midst with you, there's nothing that's going to overcome you. There's nothing that can have victory over you. So next time you pray and agree with somebody, listen, don't trifle with it. Don't don't take it for granted. Realize that when two or more are gathered in his name, there the great I am is standing in your midst and he's standing in agreement with you. Amen. Therefore, all of heaven backs what you're praying. As long as you pray according to the will of God, according to the word of God. Amen. I don't know about you, but it makes me want to run around the building. Of course, I've had two or three days. I've been meditating on this. Makes you want to do jumping jacks in your pajamas. Amen. So let's wrap this up with a sample prayer of agreement that we can pray over America. Now, I'm going to pray it. I'm going to read it because it's fairly lengthy. But as soon as I remember how to attach text documents to the website, I'm going to post these prayers that I've been saying over y'all for the last couple of weeks. 
All right, just be with me in spirit as I pray this over America. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name in agreement. According to Matthew 18, 19, concerning the destiny of our great nation. We agree with the prayers of our forefathers who founded this nation on the principles of the Bible and the belief that America would be a Christian nation first and foremost. We believe you raised us up to be a friend of Israel and to be a conveyor of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Yes, we declare that Jesus is the light of the world and that America is the conveyor of that light to the nations. And we will not let that gospel light be extinguished. Therefore, we intercede on behalf of our nation and declare, according to Isaiah 54, 17, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. No physical weapon, no spiritual weapon, no verbal weapon. Lies, half-truths, and misinformation shall not succeed against us, but shall fall to the ground unfulfilled and proven to be false. Father, we believe that you'll move mightily in our nation once again and that the people's heart will turn away from sin and turn back toward righteousness. We thank you for another mighty wave of revival that's coming to our nation and believe for a harvest of souls not measured by millions, but by billions. We pray and agree because we believe it to be your will for our great nation in the name of Jesus and in agreement, we say, Amen. All right, stay tuned next week as we continue our series on tools of prayer for America. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part three of Dr. Forrest's message, Tools of Prayer for America. If you were blessed by this message, and would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at gofaithlife.com. If you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.